listening to The Terrific Teacherpreneur, a podcast for teachers looking to grow a successful online business. Your host, Alex, was able to transform her Teachers Pay Teachers store from a small side hustle into a profitable full-time business. She now helps other teachers do the same. Listen along for actionable tips and helpful wisdom about business and marketing as a teacherpreneur. Here's your host, Alex. Hello and welcome to the Terrific Teacherpreneur podcast. I'm your host, Alex, and today we're going to be talking about the topic of blogging and specifically how to come up with blog post ideas. Now, even if you don't have a blog, this is actually really good for any long form content such as YouTube videos or podcasting, but it's also something that you could apply to other areas of your business such as social media. So you might not be thinking about writing a blog post per se, but you're thinking about creating content for your Instagram posts or your Facebook posts, things like that. And you kind of want to provide helpful tips or teach people something, kind of grow your following. Either way, you're just looking about how can I share content? Like what can I talk about? Anyway, it can be really useful for that. But the main thing though is these ideas are going to help you if you are in the brainstorming phase of blogging and you want to make sure that you have enough ideas. You may well be in the situation where you have too many blog post ideas, but in case you don't, in case you kind of struggle to decide on what to write about, I really hope this helps. So let's dive in. First up, I believe it's important to have a niche. I think if you are too broad in what you're doing, you are going to struggle to find topics because it's going to feel like you could literally write about anything and that's not really ideal. So just in general, having a niche in your business is important. Say, for example, you are a math teacher, math is your jam, you know, you're really going to specifically focus on that that subject area, it means you're not going to get bogged down by writing blog posts about science lessons and writing lessons and stuff. You're just focusing on that. It makes it a little bit easier when you have a focus because you're not going to get that overwhelmed feeling of there's like there's a million topics to write about. How would I choose? So having that niche is really important. So that's like the first main thing. But within that, you want to create something called content pillars or content buckets. That's another term that's thrown around quite often. You might have heard that. And these are essentially like the cornerstones of your content, the topics that you talk about. So specifically within math, maybe you like talking about running math centers. Like that would be one of your kind of topics that you're constantly talking about all the time. Maybe you're really into math differentiation. That's something that you're really passionate about. Like that's something you also talk about and you kind of alternate between those two things. Maybe you have three or four or five sort of content pillars. Now, that's the example for the subject specific one, but you might not be focused that much on the subject. You might just be kind of a early elementary teacher or something. And, you know, you like to talk about writing and math and reading or whatever. And those might be your kind of three areas. I mean, content pillars can be sort of subject based, but more often than not, it's like specific kind of topics or areas that you are really passionate about that kind of your things. When it comes to social media, you might hear people talk about content pillars And they're usually saying like, what are the things that you are constantly going to be known for and talking about on say Instagram? And so they don't always have to be educational. Your content pillars on Instagram might be things like you talk about your family and then you're also really passionate about teaching, writing, and then you, you know, love talking about dogs and all that kind of stuff. Like you might have these kind of few topics that you constantly talk about. But when it comes to blogging and that kind of content creation, it's more something that you are an expert in. What are the areas that you are really passionate about? So in in terms of narrowing down your pillars, you'd be thinking, yeah, like I said, about things you enjoy, 
things that you know you love talking about, things that maybe you get up on your soapbox about, you're really kind of passionate about, but also just things you know about. So this might be something that you are an expert in, whether that's a certain grade level, subject area, pedagogy, like a type of teaching, a certain program, a certain kind of methodology, a kind of way of teaching certain things or like a certain area of teaching. Maybe you're a special needs teacher. Maybe you're an SLP. Like there's so many different areas that is your kind of thing. And it's the, you know, the thing that you have been teaching or you've been working in the area that you know the most about. And that could be anything. You could be an eighth grade algebra teacher, whatever. But there's just a thing that is your thing. So sorting, I would definitely suggest like that's the first tip I have for you is obviously make sure you have a niche. But then within that, sorting out those content pillars, sitting down and writing down a few ideas. Okay, like I said, I'm a math teacher, but here are the three areas of math I really want to talk about. And I can kind of alternate between those three things. And like I said, it could be more than three. Now, the next tips I have are about pain points. So when it comes to actually deciding on content, this is where you are thinking about the struggles that your buyer, your ideal buyer is having, say, as a teacher. And these are sort of are things that are going to help you write those kind of how-to posts, those expert kind of informational posts. So not necessarily ones that are salesy. They're just sort of like, here's how to teach X, Y, Z. So kind of the how-to sort of stuff. So number one, I would suggest thinking about your ideal buyer and just, just literally sit and think about them. Imagine them in your mind. What are they most likely struggling with in general as a teacher or specifically right now? in their career or in in this school year, whatever. And you can use your own experience. What are you currently dealing with as a teacher right now in in the back to school season or whatever? Or what have you struggled with when you were a new teacher or when you first joined the profession or when you were first learning how to do something like, or, or just in general, what you in the past, what you have struggled with, you've kind of overcome use your experience, I guess, as well. But this is just, this task is literally just brainstorming, just sitting and brain dumping, thinking about using, I guess, use your, use your gut, I guess. And, you know, use common sense. I think sometimes we think we've got to really intricately research things when really a lot of our best ideas are just things that just kind of come to us. So think about what your ideal buyer wants to know more about. Now that's the first one. If you really have, you sat there and you thought about it and you're like, I I really, thinking is not working for me. (laughs) That's okay. You can see what they have to say. So there are places where other teachers and, you know, your ideal buyer are hanging out and they will tell you those struggles. So you don't have to think about it. You can just kind of read what they're saying, listen to what they're saying. Now, obviously in the real world, you could actually listen to your coworkers if you're still in the classroom, but in the online space, Facebook groups, like the teacher Facebook groups, where there's just thousands and thousands of teachers, and quite often venting. There are a lot of posts where people were saying, I don't understand how you teach this. My kids really struggle with this. What do you guys do for this? Like people are always asking questions so you can kind of see what they're struggling with. And the other thing you can do is go to Google. Google is an amazing place to get ideas. That seems really obvious, but if you start typing into Google how to teach the drop-down menu will come up with so many ideas and the frequently asked questions in the middle of search, you know, where you like click the arrow and it and it shows you like the beginning of a blog post or something and then more options come up when you click on those arrows and it keeps showing you these frequently asked questions. And you can scroll down to the bottom of Google search and there's usually a few search terms there as well. 
But I've actually gotten so many good keyword ideas from this. You, you know, you're typing in how to teach writing. What comes up is how to teach writing first grade, how to teach writing kindergarten, how to teach writing for beginners, how to teach writing recount. And like and it comes up all these kind of suggestions. So you can start getting ideas. Yeah, Google search itself, I think kind of is like the electronic version of, of listening to what a teacher has to say, because a lot of struggling or new teachers will go onto Google and they will literally type in that query. How do I teach multiplication? How do I get my kids to learn their multiplication facts? How do I teach them to read the time? So there's, there's so much on there on Google itself. So highly recommend. And the other sort of places, uh, maybe something like Pinterest or Pinterest trends, TPT itself, technically the search bar has a lot of ideas that kind of gives you ideas of what is really popular right now. At this time of year, people are searching for back to school themed things, whatever. I would just say the internet has a lot of information there about what teachers are struggling with. So you can get a lot of ideas from various search engines. And then number three, I would be considering if you've gotten to the point where you've thought about it and you've tried to research it and you still don't have a lot of ideas, ask and ye shall receive. So ask your buyers. If you happen to have a Facebook group or an Instagram or a Facebook page or whatever, or an email list even, or if you happen to be, like I said, in Facebook groups or you want to use your Instagram stories, you can literally ask people, what are you teaching right now? What are you struggling with? What is your biggest struggle? What is it that you don't know how to do? What are your kids really struggle with? What are they not engaged with? I mean, there's so many questions you could ask and you may well get some answers. There's nothing wrong with a little bit of bribery. What I mean by that is something for you, something for them is you maybe do a giveaway or something on your email list or on your social media where you're like, you know, you can win a gift card. All you need to do is answer this question for me. So we've talked about having the niche and the content pillars, and we've talked about pain points about finding out what your buyers are struggling with because once they start telling you that they just have no idea about classroom management and they don't know how to get their kids to listen to them and that's your kind of jam you love talking about that sort of stuff you might start to think about blog post ideas you know about behavior incentives and behavior management and all these different things you know when you listen to someone struggles you're like oh well I do have an idea of how I can help the pain points thing's really good the next little section I want to dive into is your products. Because I think that a lot of sellers assume that blog post writing has to be all about serving people and just helping them and answering sort of how-tos. But you can really, you really can talk about your products and you definitely should because writing blog posts and stuff is a lot of work and you would like to make sales from it, I'm sure. So the next ones I have, number four, we're still going with the number system here, (laughs) write about specific products. I'm giving you permission here to be salesy. And there are lots of sellers who do this. I've done this myself. I've literally just written a blog post about a product. I know that sounds crazy. I know that it it doesn't sound like, do people really want to read that? But I have one that is my best performing blog post that brings a huge amount of traffic to TPT in it. And it really is just all about a product, not you know really teaching them anything other than literally how the product works. The really cool thing about it is I'm showing photos. It's almost like an extra long description slash preview. Getting to give all the information that I don't really have room for on TPT if they want to learn more. And I don't recommend doing this for every product, obviously, but it's great for your best sellers, your product lines, your expensive products or your bundles. But don't be shy 
about just talking about your products, especially if you've got something that's really big and substantial. I'm not talking about $1 resources, one-off seasonal resources, that kind of thing. I'm talking about if you've got like a big unit, loads of lesson plans, a really large resource with hundreds of pages, like there's no harm in it because you're actually doing your buyers a favor. If they've got to hand over a really large amount of money to you and invest in you and, and make this kind of really big, scary commitment into buying something from you, they might just be a little bit nervous and that's okay. They might not be able to get everything they want to get from the TBG listing, but if they can read a really in-depth blog post that shows them everything they need to know about what's included in the product and why it's so amazing, they might feel a lot more confident in their purchase. It might actually persuade them as well because you can be really persuasive in your blog post talking about how they can use it and why it would be a game changer for them. So don't be shy about that. So that's obviously like a hard sell. That's a very hard sell type of post. But number five is you could do a more soft sell post. And this would be where you do mention your products in the post, but the whole post isn't about the product. It's more just an afterthought like, hey, you enjoyed reading this post and and learning about this. You might like this product. And so I suggest using your products as inspiration for a blog post topic. You know, go, like I said before about bestsellers, bundles, product lines, expensive products. We don't want to go for your $1 worst seller, but go for something that you're really kind of passionate about. Just like close your eyes, I promise you, and pick something from your store and look at that specific product and say it is a math center. You can write a blog post about how to conduct math centers and then, you know, halfway through or at the end or whatever, you can say, hey, well, if you are looking to start doing math centers, I think you'll really like my math centers. You know, it doesn't have to be all about them, but it's just that that's kind of you're talking about the problem that that buyer has and offering your product as the solution. So use your products as inspiration. I I think this is like a thing that people don't do enough. They're always trying to worry about how to post and and a topic they need to teach but your store has so much content and your products in your store are a solution to a problem like they aren't just a product for fun they are a solution to a problem that a teacher has whether that's that their kids aren't engaged in a topic or don't know how to do something they're learning a certain you know subject area topic theme whatever standard whatever you know a teacher is looking for that product to solve the problem they have and you've provided it to them. So there really is no harm in writing a blog post about that, getting ideas from that, because if in theory, if you, if this product is a solution to a problem, we now, we now we know we have a problem. Once we've got a problem, we've therefore got a blog post topic because you can say, here's the problem, here's the solution. And that's kind of basically the concept there. Now I've talked about the niching and the concept pillars and I've given those five points about pain points and products and all that kind of stuff. So I'm hoping that's given you a bunch of ideas already. But I want to say a few things before I wrap up, a few little tips. Number one, don't be shy about repeating yourself and writing about the same or similar topics over and over and over. You know, when you first start blogging, it feels like there are endless options of things to write about. But once you've even just written 10 or so posts, you start to think, well, I can't write about that topic now because I've already written about that. Or I already wrote something similar to that. I'm going to try and think of something brand new. And so as sellers, we're constantly trying to reinvent the wheel all the time. And that is exhausting. So there's absolutely nothing wrong with looking at your previous posts and either using ones, especially if they've performed well, to get new ideas, but also just to be willing to write about the same thing more than once. 
that's essentially business because you'll have a niche and you'll have an area of expertise and you are going to find yourself talking about the same thing over and over and getting sick of it. That's just what it is when you have a focus and that's not a bad thing. So you've got to remember that your buyers aren't reading all of your blog posts. They don't care. They're not going to sit there and read every post you've ever written and sort of scrutinize them and think, I think you've written about this kind of thing before. They're not going to notice, I promise. This applies to anything in business, whether that's social media or whatever. So it's actually really working smarter, not harder. If you've written a post about math centers before, doesn't mean you can never talk about math centers again. In fact, you probably should be talking about them over and over and over if that's something you're really passionate about. So just find a way to make it slightly different. You're doing a post about how to set them up. Then you're doing a post about how to keep the kids engaged. And like, you know, there's so many options here. You just have to rework things slightly, tweak things slightly, but you can use the same sort of topics and themes across your posts. The next tip, final tip I want to share is don't doubt that you have something to offer because I think we worry that we don't really have anything to say. Who are we to talk about this topic? We're not special. Nobody wants to read what we have to say. What do I know? But even the most simple ideas could help someone. Like you may have been teaching for four or five years and what seems obvious and easy to you isn't obvious to a brand new first year teacher. They might not have any idea what they're doing and they've just come out of their studies and they feel really overwhelmed. And that post you've written about how to conduct your math centers is a lifesaver to them because they'd never done it before. So remembering that you don't have to be the expert of all experts. You do not have to be a genius. You do not have to know everything. You only just have to know a tiny bit more than the person who's reading your post. Just that little bit more knowledge, a little bit more wisdom and expertise and experience to share. And trust me, you have something to say and people want to hear it. And I think it's normal to have a little bit of imposter syndrome and it's perfectly healthy and it's okay to doubt yourself and to feel that way. That is normal. But do not let those kind of feelings stop you from starting a blog post. Because trust me, you you definitely have something to say. And if, if one of your fears is actually that you don't feel good enough compared to other sellers, like maybe you're feeling everyone else is talking about this topic, you know, I don't feel like I should be joining in the conversation. I'm not as smart as them or I haven't got as much experience. I don't know what I'm talking about. They've already talked about all this kind of stuff. Nobody wants to hear it from me. But trust me, you have a different way of saying it and you have a different ideas and different values and a different approach. And no two teachers, no two sellers are the same. We're all very, very different. So the way I write a post is going to be different to the way you write one. So don't feel bad about that. And just in general, feeling like it's all been done before, you know, people have written about this kind of thing before. Who cares? That's just life. There's always going to be someone that's done something before. There's nothing we can do that's ever truly, truly that original, to be honest. But remembering that the person you're writing to probably hasn't seen so-and-so's blog post. They don't even care. You know, I think we read too much into these things and we worry too much. So I really kind of hope that reassures you just a little bit. Okay, that's it from me today. Uh, Just a quick summary, like I said, making sure you have a niche and content pillars, find those pain points, think about your ideal buyer, see what they're saying or literally ask them what they're struggling with. Also use your products as inspiration. Be salesy if you want to be and write about specific products, but also use your products as inspiration to do soft sell posts. Don't be shy about repeating yourself and don't doubt that you have something to offer. Now I'm going to wrap this episode up. I will remind you, make sure that you are subscribed to my weekly emails. I'll put a link in the show notes. 
Each week I send a reminder out about what podcast episode is coming out. I share a little bit about what's going on with me in my life too, or a gif or a meme or whatever. It's a really great way to get to know me. But I also sometimes share tips and valuable information about TBT, just about business in general, kind of lots of action items and advice. And I've even lately started offering things like, hey, here's the latest in free clip art and mock-ups and things like that. So I try to make them as helpful as possible. So I really think you would enjoy having that in your inbox each week. So definitely recommend signing up. I hope that you have a really terrific day and good luck with any blog post writing. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Terrific Teacherpreneur. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. Come back for more actionable tips and helpful wisdom in the next episode with your host, Alex. Until then.